Good morning, MCA. Today's scripture reading is from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. It seems like we remember endings. We, we remember the endings of our favorite movies. We remember endings of songs and shows. You remember that final episode of a certain program that you used to watch. For those of us that are sports fanatics, we remember the endings of great sports careers. I watched Kobe play his last game. He scored 60 points. Or uh, Peyton Manning, who retired after he won Super Bowl 50. We also remember the endings of, of the lives of public figures and celebrities and personalities when they pass away. Like last year, we lost rocker Eddie Van Halen, soccer great Diego Maradona, actor Sean Connery. By the way, do you know what time Sean Connery usually arrives at Wimbledon? Tennish. In the Christian world, we sometimes see a seemingly successful figure, ministry leader, end poorly, fall from grace. I am not going to mention any names, but we can all think of some of those personalities that in our world, in our, in our Christian world, in the evangelical world, that have had just really bad endings. People we respected, people we trusted, people who were respected and, and leading Maybe had influence over, over teaching and discipling, and you think, ah, oh, they didn't finish well. But isn't that true of biblical characters as well? <laughs> isn't that true of, of the people in Scripture? How about Judas? He was a follower of Jesus. That's not how we remember him. He went out with them on mission. Like, like he was preaching and, and healing and, and, and like serving Serving Jesus and, and making him great. He was, he was casting out demons, doing all the other things. But that's not how we remember him, is it? <laughs> no. We say he was a betrayer. Or maybe you know his, his demise. It was a very grisly death that we remember. Yeah, it just seems like we remember the ending of a story more than we remember the beginning. And so today, as we look into the scriptures, we're going to be challenged to run the race of faith in such a way that we finish well. And we're going to learn today, specifically, as we study Hebrews chapter 12, these first few verses, we're going to specifically learn today how to persevere. That's what we're going to learn. How do we persevere? So let me introduce myself. I'm John. I am honored to serve as lead pastor here at MCA. I'm thrilled that you are with us today, whether in person or tuning in online. And I pray that through our time together, your heart grows stronger and your faith grows deeper. So we are in a sermon series called The Games. The Games Have Begun. If you haven't 
uh, noticed any of the headlines or watched the television, the games have begun. <laughs> the, the, this great spectacle of international sport, the Olympics, that happens every four years. Uh, the U.S., by the way, as of an hour ago when I checked, uh, had nine medals. We have, we've done well in swimming and skateboarding. So we'll see what the next few weeks hold as we watch the games unfold. But as I said, for this morning, we are looking at the imagery of life as a race. This is what the author of Hebrews says. So if you have a Bible with you, that's where we're going to be. Open it up to Hebrews chapter 12. Life is a race, he says. It's a race of faith. And by the way, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Do you know what a marathon runner's favorite subject in school is? Geography. Geography. So the chapter begins, we're in Hebrews chapter 12, and the chapter begins with, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Now, hold on. What is this? Therefore, since we're surrounded. And who is this great cloud of witnesses? Well, we have to understand... In context, when we study scripture, we do it in context. Chapter 12 comes after chapter 11, and in chapter 11, we have the great hall of faith. Chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews is stories of men and women of faith and the mighty things they did for God and the amazing and miraculous ways, the remarkable ways that God used them. And in each case, they demonstrated perseverance. This is the great cloud of witnesses that the author is talking about in Hebrews 12, 1. They are the ones who have gone before us, the saints of old, both those in the Bible and even those in our time frame, the, the grandmas and grandpas and the legacy of faith that so many of us have. Those are the great cloud of witnesses. And they are the ones watching as we compete in our event. It's time for our generation to run the race of faith. And it, it is they who are watching. And they're, by the way, they're not the... The quiet type of fans. (laughs) They're They're the loud, cheering kind. They're the overly zealous type. Like, keep going! You you see that in sports arenas. Unfortunately, for the games this summer, there are not very many spectators there. I wonder what how difficult that must be for the athletes. But typically, you've got an arena filled with, you've got stands filled with people cheering you on. And the scriptures give us a picture of our walk in life, our spiritual walk being just that same way. With a cloud of witnesses, saints, men and women, grandmas and grandpas, and biblical characters of old who are saying, you can do it. Keep going, press on. We did it and so can you. This is the great cloud of witnesses. Here's what's most encouraging about the great cloud of witnesses. It's not the things they're shouting because if you're like me, you haven't heard them audibly shouting. Here's what's most encouraging about it is they too are flawed people. They too are sinners and weak. They weren't perfect. They didn't run the perfect race. And we could just spend the entire morning together talking about the flaws of biblical characters. Jacob was a liar. Moses killed a guy. The list just goes on and on and on and on and on. These, these characters did not run the perfect race. They stumbled, they fell, they struggled, but they lived by faith. And do you know what they did? They finished well. They crossed the finish line, and that's what we hope to do as well. I, I recall in my own life, one time I, 
I registered for a 10K road race. That's 6.2 miles. I didn't do adequate training, in case you're wondering. <laughs> and, and so I recall this race that I, that I ran, and I was just amped up. I was so excited. It was a fun in, event. I had others that were there that were also running the race. And I remember at the starting line, go, and off I went. And I'm just flying. I ran probably one of the fastest miles I've ever run. <laughs> they got timers at, at the mile stations. I think it was something like 619, my first mile. Woo! I only got 5.2 miles to go. <laughs> and it just seemed like as the race went on, I just got slower and slower and slower. My lungs were burning. My legs felt like mush. I just wanted to stop. My whole body was just screaming, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> so needless to say, I finished that race in a very different state than how I started the race. I started with all of this joy and all of this enthusiasm, and I just barely dragged myself across the finish line. People are just passing me. I see some people that are like, man, they just look like they're in agony right now. They're going with a limp. The mama's pushing strollers. And they're, like, they're beating me. <laughs> they're ahead of me. I have no sympathy for them. So here's the thing. In our race of faith that God has called us to run, one thing is sure. He will be with us. No, no matter how much pain, no matter how much struggle, no matter how much, oh dear, I didn't prepare enough. <laughs> I didn't train enough. Mile number four is going to be a bear because there is a huge hill in front of me. God is with us. And so if we want to run for the prize, which is what we talked about last Sunday, running for the prize, there's something we're going to need to do, and it's called persevere. So that's what we're talking about this morning. That's the emphasis from the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12, it is, you want to win, you want to cross the finish line, you want to finish well, here's what you need to do. You need to persevere. Don't quit when your legs get tired. Don't just stop and say, well, I'm not ready for this. Don't say it's too hard. Don't say I can't do it. Persevere. In the 1968 Olympic Games, they were held in Mexico City. Tanzanian runner John Akwari came in last place in the marathon. He had suffered a fall during the race. He injured his knee. He dislocated his knee. He injured his shoulder. And he actually had also hit his head and was bleeding. We're all going to have challenges. 18 of those marathon runners, these are guys in top form. They, they dropped out of the race. But that man said, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start this race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. I think it's that kind of grit, it's that kind of determination that God instills within us to say, persevere, press on, don't give up, don't lose the faith. There are going to be challenges in the life of each and every believer. The question is, are you committed to finishing your race of faith? 
So here's what I want to do with the rest of the time we have together. We're going to look closely at the teaching here in Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to see three things we need to do if we're going to persevere. If we're going to hear the Lord say at the finish line, well done, my good and faithful servant. Three things to do to persevere as we look closely at the teaching from Hebrews 12. And the first is to throw off everything that hinders. Remove the hindrances. Can you imagine a runner walking to the starting line? And he's got on the ankle weights that he trains with. And the coach says, hey, you forgot to take the ankle weights off. And he calls back, no, I've grown accustomed to them. I'm just going to run the race with them on. What? No, take the weights off. Take everything off that's going to slow you down. We need to remove everything in our lives that's going to keep us from being everything God has called us to be. Get rid of those things. Stop doing those things. Walk away from those things. For some of us, it's the very simple practice of complaining and grumbling. For some of us, that's the weight that weighs us down. And to be quite frank with you, it's a weight that weighs down your spouse, your children, your coworkers, your neighbors, your core group, everyone who's around you. For some of us, that's a weight we need to throw off is the grumbling and the complaining. The Lord says, throw off everything that hinders. For others of us, it's our past. It's the things that we've done or the things that were done to us. And it's okay to acknowledge those things. You've made mistakes. I have too. But we leave those things behind us. And we press on and we move forward. We don't carry with us the baggage of our guilt, of our regret, of our shame. We don't allow those labels that other people try to put on us. We don't allow those to stick on us and weigh us down. No, an endurance athlete, you'll notice, chooses the lightest possible gear. (laughs) Right? That's why runners wear the really short shorts. The shortest shorts... The, the lightest material, the, the, even the, shoe, the running shoes they choose are to be durable and yet lightweight. If we want to finish well, we have to do the same thing. We've got to simplify. We've we got to cut out anything that's unnecessary. Get rid of the baggage. Remove the distractions. Whatever else is weighing us down, whatever is preventing us from running the race that God has set before us. When you're training for a marathon, as you run, you're just dropping pounds, too. Like, like your body does the exact same thing, where you, you shed the extra weight. You're burning fat as you train. Then you also, of course, start eating the right foods. Now, I recently asked the dietician, you know, for a tip on what can I do to, to lose weight. The dietician said, don't eat anything fatty. So I said, thank you. And the dietician said, you're welcome, fatty. Or my my friend, he wanted to lose weight, so he decided to run. So he's running three to five miles a day. He did it for a whole year. And I don't know if he made his goal weight or not, but he just arrived in Mexico. But let me ask you, we're we're talking about throwing off everything that's slowing us down, that's weighing us down, that's keeping us from being who God wants us to be. And maybe that's different for you than what it is for me. But what's your weak spot? Where is it that that the enemy has got his foot in the door of your life? Address it. Confess it. 
and move on. Stop going like a dog back to its vomit. That's what the scriptures say. But get accountability. Get a friend or, or, or a pastor or a core group leader or a parent. Someone who will come alongside you. Someone who will go with you to the foot of the cross. To leave it there. And to say, I don't want this in my life. I don't need this in my life. And I recognize it's keeping me from being who God wants me to be. It's Proverbs twenty six eleven that says, As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. That's the sin that so easily entangles. It's the thing that is your weak spot. And you've stumbled and you've fallen time and time and time and time again. And the wisdom of Scripture says to you, if you're going to persevere, if you're going to finish well, you've got to get rid of it. You've got to cut it out of your life. You've got to drop it like the ankle weights at the starting line. Because here's the good news. With Christ, there is freedom. With Christ, when you cross the finish line, you've, you're free from that sin that entangles you. So, so if you're going to persevere, as I've said, if you're going to persevere, if you're going to press on, you've got to remove those hindrances. So we're talking about how do we persevere in the Christian life? And the first is that, remove the hindrances. The second is to keep your eyes on Jesus. So when your race, meaning your life, is going great, Everything's working out perfectly. You are blessed. You are joyful. You're having success. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When your life is hard, when you're walking through the trial, when you're walking through the challenge, when you've hit rock bottom, keep your eyes on Jesus in every season of life. So when, when you're in the springtime of life, when, when you're you know, in that place where you're like young and ambitious and energetic and you're full of ideas and dreams and hopes... Keep your eyes on Jesus. When you're in the middle of life, that middle season where it just you thought you were busy when you were younger, and then all of a sudden you reach the middle stage of life and you are at life's busiest point because you've got jobs and kids and bills and house and church and, and going to the gym and planning the reunion and taking care of your parents and, and finding time to volunteer. Oh yeah, and finding time for your spouse. Like that, that middle stage of life where everything is happening at once and everything is coming quickly. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When you get to the later season in life, where things do actually slow down a little bit, but all of a sudden you've got health issues. And all of a sudden you look at your world and you go, my, how everything has changed. And you're tempted to grumble and complain. Keep your eyes on Jesus. This is the key to running with perseverance. Like, if you don't hear anything else I hear today, I want you to hear this. This is the key to running with perseverance, is keeping your eyes on Jesus. Because here's the thing. The only way to persevere is with Christ. You're not going to make it on your own. You've got to persevere because of Christ. And so you keep your eyes on it. So we see that then where it, like, it's the uh, second half of verse 1 where it says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Without Christ, there is no perseverance. You, you, might, you might say, well, 
people have, you know, the, the human spirit and, and, the, and the capabilities. It's kind of a humanistic worldview. No. We are frail. We are feeble. We are weak. We are incompetent. We are hopeless without Christ. There is no perseverance without Christ. You will not persevere to the finish line. You will not make it without Christ. We don't make it across that finish line without Christ. And we're, of course, seeing this. As I said, um, billions of people the world over are trying to persevere. They're trying to make it. They're trying to get where they want to go on their own, standing on their own two feet. I took my family to the zoo the other day. I noticed a woman who was wearing a T-shirt, and the T-shirt said, Raise good humans. Raise good humans. She was a mother. She had her little ones there. And I just had a moment where I'm looking at this person, and the words of Jesus are ringing in my head where he says, No one is good. (laughs) Put that on a shirt. The words of Jesus are, no one is good except God alone. And we find ourselves in a culture where anything goes. You can do whatever you want to do. You can be whoever you want to be. You can say whatever you want to say, right? That's the culture we find ourselves in. So I do find it a little odd that someone would then preach a message like, raise good humans. Well, what is good? I wanted to ask her. And I didn't, by the way. (laughs) We just looked at the animals and had a great time at the zoo. But, but I, I want to ask those in, 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 our, in our world, those unbelievers, those with that secular worldview, what is good? Oh, and who gets to decide what the standards are for good or bad? Like you're, you're raising good humans. What does that mean? This is one of the greatest lies, of course, that's prevalent in our nation, and that is good people go to heaven. This is a really prevalent lie that people believe in our world. The people in your workplace and in your neighborhood believe this. Good people go to heaven, they say. Oh, okay. Well, if that's true, then only God is going to be in heaven. (laughs) If what you're thinking and saying is true, that good people go to heaven, then none of us are going to be there. Because here's what the Bible teaches. No one is good. That's a direct quote, by the way. It's Mark 10, 18. No one is good. None of us are going to make it to heaven. None of us are going to raise good humans apart from a work of Christ in their life. Transforming each and every one of us to become more like Jesus. Interesting, isn't it? That a culture that says anything goes would also then try to dictate something is good or something is bad. It's totally arbitrary. And you and I say, that's nonsense. It's complete and total nonsense. We know what the standard is because the scriptures tell us what it is. It's not arbitrary. It's not you decide and I decide and what's good for you is good for you and what's good for me. No. The standard is perfection and we've all fallen short of it. Therefore, we are in desperate need of a rescuer to save us from an eternity separated from God in hell. That's the truth. It's not about being good. None of us are good. It's about will we humble ourselves 
and call on the Lord Jesus Christ to save us. And see, that's what the unbelieving world doesn't want to do. Because that requires confession and humility. But the world is not willing to say that wrong is wrong. The world is not willing to say, I've messed up and I've done wrong. It's, well, I chose this path. I have stood with people and heard them ask the question, what's a regret you have in life? This happened multiple times. And I've heard multiple people respond with, I don't have any regrets. I have no regrets in life. You know, everything I've experienced, everything I've done, it's kind of shaped me into who I am, the person I am today. It's like, don't get me started on regrets today. We don't have a confessional booth here at MCA. <laughs> but I have a lot of regrets because I've hurt people. Like, like people that I love and care about and, and want to encourage and celebrate, I've hurt them by doing hurtful things and by saying mean-spirited things. Like, I... I regret those things. I, I, I try to, I, I want Christ to redeem that so I can leave that in my past and move forward. But I can't imagine saying, well, I don't have any regrets. And the scriptures tell us that God, humble, God honors the humble heart. That it's the ones who humble themselves that he exalts. But it's when we exalt ourselves that it says, oh, God is going to humble you. So, friends, you can't earn your salvation. <laughs> there's, there's nothing you can do that's going to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do that's going to make God love you less. And don't, don't believe the lies that the world is telling you. Don't, don't, don't say, well, we'll just raise good humans. Well, what's good? Don't say, well, good people go to heaven. No, because then no one's going. Say, I fall. On the throne of God's great mercy. I pray the prayer that demanded in scripture. Jesus have mercy on me a sinner. What good news. <laughs> that in a world that's confused. God isn't confused. And as we look into his word. And the eternal truths that are unchanging. They've stood since the beginning of time we too can have great wisdom and insight and we can know the path to salvation. It's not a guessing game. It's not a cross my fingers and, and hope for it. And I understand some of you even grew up in a context where you can't be certain of your salvation. Oh my goodness. I am sure of my place in God's kingdom and you can be too. Why? Because you have called out to the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to worry. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to speculate. And please don't perpetuate that falsehood that you can't be sure of your salvation. We have assurance that we are in Christ. And that's a great biblical study for you, by the way. Do a study on being in Christ. Where does that appear in Scripture and what does that mean? You are in Christ. You are secure. And so we keep our eyes on Jesus. Without Jesus, my friend, there is no perseverance. We cannot earn our own salvation. We deserve separation from a holy and loving God. But Jesus makes a way for us. Jesus willingly went to the cross. He took the punishment that our sins deserve. Okay, we're in Hebrews chapter 12. Let, let's keep going here. Next part of verse 2. <laughs> we'll make it through these three verses. 
It says, for the joy set before him. We're talking about keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What this means is, Jesus has run a spiritual marathon. That that he persevered, that he pressed on. He came into the world in the flesh, fully human and yet fully God. He lived a sinless life. He died an innocent man. He rose on the third day. And by the power of God, he defeated sin and death. We, we talked about this just a couple of weeks ago here. The remarkable Savior at the crucifixion and how he was beaten, mocked, deserted. His, his family left him. His followers left him. He was betrayed with a kiss. They brought lies against him. He was misunderstood, but he, he took those things. That they, they spat upon him. They mocked him. And yet he endured. He endured. He ran a spiritual marathon on our behalf. So when we consider all that Jesus went through, and he went through it for you and for me, It strengthens us to run with perseverance. He has gone before us. He was the pioneer, the author says here. He made a way. So because Jesus endured, we can endure. It's really, it's sort of disorienting too, isn't it? When you see joy and cross in the same sentence. It smacks against our cultural sensibilities. We're like, though the cross isn't joyful. Oh, but it was. it was. It was God's will that his son would suffer and die for our sins. And so Jesus did it with joy. Doesn't mean he was happy, happy. Doesn't mean it was all fun. No, it was terrible suffering. But he endured. He persevered. He pressed on. He is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So if you want to persevere, you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Okay, so we've talked about removing the hindrances, fixing our eyes on Jesus, and the third and final way that we persevere is to resist discouragement. If we're going to make it to the end, we must not grow weary. Has life knocked you down? I think the answer from every single one of us is yes. Have things not turned out the way you hoped or expected or wanted? Or dreamt? So what are you going to do about it? You're going to give up? You're going to curse God? You're going to grumble and complain? The encouragement for us today, if you want to cross that finish line, if you want to hear the booming voice of our Lord saying, well done, my good and faithful servant, then you will persevere. You won't give up. You'll keep going. And you'll do everything you can to resist discouragement. Verse 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So as we keep our eyes on Jesus, we resist discouragement. Oh, but the discouragement sets in, and all of us have experienced that. We've all experienced even seasons of discouragement. It sets in when we face the hardship, when when we walk through the, the failure or opposition, criticism, people coming against us. 
when we walk through times of crisis or tragedy. And it's in those times we're tempted to lose heart, to give up, to doubt God's goodness, to walk away from Christ. But in those moments, we've taken our eyes off Jesus. We've started to look at the trouble, the trial, the struggle. We've allowed the enemy to penetrate our thinking. But no. Let's take a stand today. And no matter where you are, maybe you're in, as I've said, we we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus in the good times and in the bad. So no matter where we are today, we decide we're making a stand. We're going to resist discouragement. We want to persevere and press on. So we're not going to give up. We're not going to give in. We're not going to succumb to the pressures around us. We're not going to quit. We're not going to forsake Christ. We're going to keep the faith. So a young woman named Heather Dornadin was the favorite for the 600-meter race. This is indoor track and field. Uh, she was at the Big Ten Championship a few years ago. She's in the lead. So it's a three-lap race. She's in the lead. She's got one lap to go when the worst possible scenario happened. She tripped and fell. She watches as all the other runners go past her. You've been knocked down. You've made some bad decisions that are, that are weighing heavily on you. Maybe you've gotten trapped in a sin. It just feels like you're never going to get untangled. You're never going to get set free. Or maybe it's a sickness that keeps nagging or, or a loved one in your life that's walking through a difficulty or a relationship that's broken. Maybe it's fear. Fear about the unknown, about the future, about those circumstances in your life that you really don't have control over, but they keep you up at night. Are you starting to doubt? Are you thinking about giving up? Don't give up. Don't give up on Christ. He has persevered. He has run the spiritual marathon. He has gone ahead of us. And so we follow him. And we press on. We keep running. You have a race ahead of you. No matter what stage of life you're at, you still have a race ahead of you. Our VBS kids memorized Philippians 1.6 this summer. It says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So in that video, we just saw Heather could have given up. There's 200 meters left to go. The others are, are, are accelerating past her, and she's flat on her face on the track. But she got up. What a great picture of the Christian life. We get back up by God's help, by his Holy Spirit. We get back up and we press on. She had a race to run, and she was going to run it well. And so do you. She could have complained. That girl tripped me. She could have said, that wasn't fair. What did she do? She ran with perseverance. Don't stay down. Get back up by God's power. With your eyes fixed on Jesus. And listen, I'm I'm not glossing over the fact that the race of life is grueling. It's difficult. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to get injured. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get beat up. You're going to grow weary. Your legs are going to feel like mush. You're you're going to have times where your spiritual life feels like you're just hanging on by a thread. But 
God promises that he will not abandon us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And he's not going to set you on the wrong course. He set you on the course for your race, for your life, for the people he wants you to impact for his glory. He has the perfect plan charted out for you. Sometimes it doesn't seem perfect. And let me say this. It doesn't so much matter how you started. Some, some went flying out of the gate. A 619 first mile. Others, they were limping through that first mile. They tripped and they fell. It doesn't matter so much how you started. What matters is how you finish. What matters is when you cross the finish line. Will you hear the voice of the Lord saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Yes, you got tangled up in sin, but I redeemed you. Yes, you got pushed around. You got treated poorly, but that wasn't where your focus was. You kept your eyes fixed on me. Don't put yourself on the sidelines of discouragement. Get back in the race. Even if you feel tired, even if you feel weary. And today, I want you to hear what the Lord says to you. Our Lord Jesus says, come to me. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So if I can encourage you today, it's go to Christ. It's to hear that beck and call and to run to him with reckless abandon. Don't be afraid. Stand firm in, in the race that God has given you. You will see, the scriptures say, you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will see you through. He will strengthen you. He will fight for you. He will give you peace. He will give you hope. He will give you perseverance. He'll strengthen your feet. He'll set you back on the track. So don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. Don't give up now. Finish well. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Be inspired by the men and women who've gone before us, who've already finished the race, that you could say with Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. And now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me. And not only to me, but to all those who long for his appearing. Let's pray. Lord, in this quiet moment, we come to you. It's not the eloquence of any man's words. It's not the melody of any beautiful song. It is the risen and living Messiah, Jesus. In 
we hear your call this morning to come to you in our weariness, in our tiredness, in our fatigue, that it's you who will give us rest. It's you who will refresh and nourish us and set us back on the course. So Lord, we lift our eyes to you. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to persevere, to finish well, so that one day as we enter into glory, we would indeed hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And we'll say, I didn't run the perfect race. I got knocked down. I got tempted and I just, I went astray. I chased after the wrong things. But Jesus, our Savior, He's run the spiritual marathon. He's the pioneer. He has made a way. And as we follow him, we persevere for the glory of God. Lord, would you accomplish that by your spirit and for your glory and through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray these things. Amen.